Hey there, I'm Stella and welcome to the Block 101 podcast, where you'll find the brightest minds and projects from the emerging tech industry. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Sandy Bidens. Sandy is a serial entrepreneur and the CEO of 3Air. He's working on bringing blockchain and DeFi to the next billion. He's a true IT geek at heart and a fun fact about him, he holds a world record in 24-hour apnea diving. Let's jump in. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for making it to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, for having me on. So yeah, Sandy, tell us about 3Air. Yeah. So with 3Air, what we're trying to achieve is, um, first of all, we want to connect the people that don't have the internet connection. And then we want to streamline the whole process of getting them a... a uh, digital bank account, digital identity, um, some uh, financial services, some tools, and also revenue streams. So kind of uh, trying to get into the space of the uh, connecting the unconnected, banking the unbanked, and with it, you know, empowering them. Mm -hmm. And you're mostly in Africa at the moment, right? So our project is focused 100% on Africa at this moment in time. It does not mean that at one point we won't be looking outside, but mm -hmm. it, it, you, you, cannot, you cannot do everything. So uh, yeah. we need to have a focus and our technology is perfectly suited to bring connectivity where there's no uh, infrastructure. And Africa actually has the lowest broadband penetration in the world, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an amazing market. And I'll go back to that in a, in a few minutes, because I have a lot of questions uh, regarding Africa and the penetration there. Um, but I think what's really amazing about this project is how neat it is, because I was reading recently um, what the UN said, that according to them, one in three people around the world have never used the internet. For us, I mean, we're using it absolutely every day, so maybe it's a little bit hard to imagine. But uh, but in your opinion, what challenges do you think traditional internet providing services are facing? Why? How come there's such a low number of people having used the internet around the world? It's, you know, just talking globally about it, each region has its specific uh, issues. Right. And you have you have regions that have more connectivity and you have regions that have less connectivity. And, uh, you know, I can speak about Africa a bit because we have been doing some work there. So I know a, a bit how, you know, what 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 the actual issue there is. And the, the main issue is that there is no cable infrastructure. Late. So broadband right now at this moment in time is still based on cables. You just cannot go around it. Now, there is a lot of uh, mobile uh connectivity going around right now, but it's not on part, it's not real true broadband. And um, you cannot do everything with, with the mobile connection. And also the mobile connections, they are usually unstable, they are slow. Um, and um, for real broadband, as already said, you need cables and the cables are lacking. So, you know, also when, when the cities really, I, I think in Africa, when the cities started expanding so fast, nobody was at that moment in time thinking about uh, laying the cable infrastructure. So right now everything grew so much out of proportion. Just, you know, just imagine going there and uh, um, stopping some roads that are either way uh, totally overcrowded and then start digging trenches, laying cables there. It's almost impossible and uh, it it uh, it requires huge amounts of uh, capital and amount, and it required a lot a lot of time so we're talking decades there 
right? So yeah, that's that's imagine. a bit of a problem. And then on the other side, if you're not, you know, if you're looking a bit outside of the cities and you're going a bit more into rural areas, there are like vast, vast uh um, uh, place lands where where you need to bridge it then with cables and you know it's it's a lot of mountains it's uh, uh, maybe a desert um, it's uh, you know it's a rainforest then digging this up it's also not really commercially viable so uh, that that are that are that are the major issues uh, why I think that uh, you know specifically in Africa this number isn't higher and isn't getting higher you know fast enough. Two years ago, uh, um, the World Bank estimated that it would Africa would need a one hundred billion dollar investment and more than a decade to actually get the uh, broadband infrastructure on par. So that's that's one hundred billion. One hundred billion. Yeah. This is huge. This is huge. Uh, but so how is 3Year overcoming these challenges? Because your technology doesn't use any cables, right? Maybe you'd like to elaborate on on how do you do that? Yeah, so what we can do is, uh, so it's it's really, it's it's hard to say that we don't use any cables, right? We do need to connect to the under underwater uh, cables, uh, the ones that are going between the continents. And actually Africa is pretty good with those. So, you know, you, you have those um, underwater, undersea cables that are coming and penetrating quite well Africa, but then the, the last mile actually is lacking. And for the last mile, we don't need cable. So we set up our base stations and then we can beam a, a signal of uh, up to 50 kilometers around this base station. And um, our speeds are true broadband. So they go up to one gigabit per second. And we can connect around 15,000 people on, on one base station. So uh, in Sierra, Le Sierra Leone, uh, we actually done it. In Freetown, we have uh, two base stations right now that are working and with the with those two we are actually covering over 90 percent of freetown and um, what this does first of all it um, it makes um, a whole area connected very quickly so we set up the two base stations and you know being been fully operational in Sierra Leone within six months of when we started the investment there so there's no decades long of, of uh, connecting. Uh, so we literally can do it within six months. And the costs are like fractional of, of what traditional businesses uh, need, to traditional telecoms, because we don't need to dig trenches. You know, those are then the, the biggest uh, uh, obstacle and the, the biggest cost drivers, let's say it like this. So, for instance, for covering one big city, traditional way, you would probably need around two, three hundred million dollars. Uh, and uh, we can do it for around 10 to 15 million. So. A, a fraction of a cost and a fraction of time. Yeah, this is this is super impressive. Super impressive. You you said how many months for to connect the whole city of Freetown? I mean, ninety percent of the city, which is already huge. Yeah. So it, it, we are covering ninety percent. We didn't connect ninety yeah. percent of the city's population, right? All right. Ninety percent of the city is covered. So if somebody wants a connection there, they can come to us and they can get it. And that was in done right. in, in six months. Six months. In six months. Yes. Six months. Very, very impressive. From start and so, to finish. To, to the first connected client, it was six months. And so what's the process to connect uh, to connect a city like that? Wh wh where do you even start? So first of all, um, th there are, we usually work in parallel. So uh, we need to search for investors. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing, we need to start talking with the regulators there because we do need to, to be a regulated entity. We need to hold an ISP license. And In each country a- where you operate, you need to be a yeah. regulated entity? Okay. So there, there is no internet without regulation at the moment in time. So you cannot, you cannot be an official internet provider and not have a license. And each, uh, each uh, um, country has its own regulations. So uh, yeah, we need a license in each country. So uh, and then we also go and look for places that are most viable for us. So we need to do some uh, radio planning because we are using the radio frequencies, right? So we need to see how uh, the landscape actually looks, where we can position the uh, the uh, base stations the, in a in strategic places to to really get the most out of the coverage. And then once this three steps, these three steps can be done in parallel. So once this is done, we have the investment, we have the licenses and we, we've planned it out. Then we send our team uh, to on ground where they, uh, where they start training the local uh, team. We're always utilizing, you know, local locals to, to, um, you know, in, in Sierra Leone, for instance, we're employing, I think, over a hundred people already right now. So we are always working with local teams. We send out our, our, our best teams down to train and then we move to the next country. So this is kind of mm-hmm. uh, how we... I love that. Right. I love that because not only you're providing people with the internet and entertainment and banking and all of that, but you also provide them with employment. Exactly. And this, that's why I really love this project, man. It's so ambitious. <laughs> I, I can really see um, this as a super life-changing project for, for the many people that, uh, that you will... That will yeah, benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also truly believe uh, and and really hope that it is like this. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know that's funny because the first time we spoke, I had a a little bit of an understanding about the project, but then I I dove in deeper, obviously for for this interview, and I was like, man, this is awesome. This is really huge. <laughs> what you're yeah, doing. It, and- also, I I need to say that a lot of people just you know right now we have this problem that that nobody really takes the time to learn something, right? If you don't jump. <laughs> right at you it's a problem and um our project isn't like so easy to understand that's a bit of a problem you need to to take some time to to really read about it and educate yourself and but that's true when when somebody takes time they really find it amazing and it is exactly 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 the potential is just huge and i think uh, what you say is really true especially when it comes to blockchain i think it's because now there's a little bit of a saturation. Uh, we hear the word blockchain so much that we don't necessarily always kind of try to go beyond, beyond that. And, um, and either it scares people or it's a buzzword these days. <laughs> so, so yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah, you're right. For sure. These and, days when the markets are down. Yes, for sure. For sure. And actually, what's the use of blockchain? Because we have not mentioned the word blockchain even once since we started the interview, but I guess it's also a big part of, uh, of your project. What is the role of blockchain and also what you're doing? Could this, couldn't this be achieved without a blockchain? Um, so up to the point that we were speaking right now, there was actually no blockchain involved, to be honest, but blockchain okay. comes and it's, it's also, 
you know, we've been doing so many things. If you just, what has blockchain been built for? It was built for providing financial services, but, you know, financial services can be provided the other way. Traditionally, you don't need blockchain for this, right? We've been doing it for years and years. Blockchain just makes it better. So it's not, I don't think it, the right question is if you can do it without blockchain. The, the question is, can you do it better with blockchain? That's the question, I think. And I'm pretty sure we can. And there are, there are a few things that where blockchain is actually pretty much needed. So, but how it started with us in blockchain is that in Sierra Leone, we, we ran into some issues um, that are maybe a bit specific to emerging economies and um, Africa. So first, the thing is that a lot of people come into our offices trying to pay with cash. And uh, running a subscription-based service, it's really hard to deal each month with the same customers with cash if they cannot pay remotely. So this is one thing that we were th starting to, to look into solutions where we can provide something that people can literally pay from home. And we tried a lot of things. We sent out people to collect money and then they got robbed and, you know, really crazy stuff. And uh, the second one was with, uh, with identities. You know, still, again, in Sierra Leone, a lot of people still come into our offices. They don't have a, a valid uh, or they don't have a, a identity at all. Uh, no means of identification. So they come with, uh, you know, handwritten papers with their names and such stuff. So uh, this is also something where we see that blockchain will uh, in the future play a major role in, in identification. So we built our own ID solution on the blockchain. Um, and for the payment systems, we, of course, we looked into blockchain and crypto payments. Um, so then you need to think about how you onboard people to crypto because it's also not so easy if they don't understand, right? So we were thinking, okay, we need to provide them with some easy onboarding solutions. So there is no way around it at the start for custodial uh, wallets. Um, so we give them an option, custodial or non-custodial, they can choose. Um, we, we are providing uh, fiat onboarding and offloading ramps. And again, if we want to go, you know, solve the issue of people needing to pay with cash, we need to be able in a sense uh, to take in cash. So we are a part of a peer-to-peer uh, -peer, uh, cash to crypto uh, project that's uh, going on in Africa right now. So uh, that's also something really, really cool. Um, and then as said, uh, we do want to provide uh, financial tools and, uh, and the revenue streams. And one of the revenue streams is actually uh, bound to our telecom. And what we are doing is, you know, the, the, how I explained you, a connection that goes to our base stations to the end user. We are allowing the end user to share that connection and earn some revenue on it. So they can, they can actually set up their own access points. And uh, then the access points connect one to the other and they create a seamless mesh network. So you literally can walk into, into that area with your phone uh, and connect with the Wi-Fi and then you get a shared connection from somebody else. So, and um, with this, um, you know, the, the end user actually helping us uh, expand the the infrastructure, uh, you know, faster and more effective. And on the other side, they can also earn some revenue on it. So this is where blockchain actually uh, comes into play because um, it's really hard to create an ecosystem that's self-awarding and regulating if you if you cannot use something you know that's as trustworthy and trustless the, as as the blockchain. 
Okay, okay. So just hold on to make sure that I that I understood because I'm not sure if I got that uh, that last part with uh, the users being able to help you expand the network. So basically, when you cover a zone, um, you can also have some users acting kind of as nodes and provide internet to other people. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So it's like okay. one user comes to us, gets a really high speed connection uh, from okay. us, and then he can connect, you know, the users in his area uh, with uh, sharing the, you know, openly his uh, internet connection. I see. Awesome. I didn't. I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, it's, it's kind of a, you can think about it like a Uber of broadband somehow, right? So Uber, they're just providing the platform and uh, everyone else just uh, owns the whole infrastructure. So the end user actually holds the car and does, you know, provides the services and so on. So we are kind of in a this part, but we do provide the, the really high speed, high level internet. And then we allow uh, everyone else to, to um, yeah. To share it between themselves. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. And back to Africa. So you mentioned you're very Africa focused, which makes sense given the demographics and the need there for such a platform. Um, so you mentioned you're active in Sierra Leone. What, what other countries are you developing in? Um, so right now we are looking into DRC and Ethiopia. We have a lot of connection in Nigeria also, and Nigeria is one of the markets that we are really looking forward to in the future. Um, and you know, then there are just down the road, once we do this, there are also some other uh, countries and we'll probably go either in the ones that uh, we have the, the most connections. And uh, unfortunately, it's still a lot of lobbying that needs to be done on the governmental level to get in um, or where we are the most most needed, right? Where the internet connection is the, the weakest uh, and the least accessible. For sure, for sure. And so what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are thinking of establishing activities there? And also what kind of future do you see um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the future of blockchain is really uh, bright wherever uh, in the world, but I think Africa will lead the way. At least it looks like it right now. I think there is the most need for it. Um, now, there is uh, the, the biggest part of the unbanked population is in Africa, still of the world. So you know, that's the first use case why, why it actually was built for. So I think a lot of people are using it already for, for remittances payments and so on, because it does make a lot of sense there. So I, I see that, the, you know, and also just last year, or is it now already a year and a half ago, uh, I think Nigeria was the one that has had the highest adoption rate uh, blockchain adoption rate in the world so and we see that a lot to be honest in africa so i think um i think africa can africa can really come out on top because they'll be the ones um, adopting a new technology that's going to be revolutionary for the whole world and all businesses uh, and they can come up on top of this Another question that I would like to ask regarding Africa is what advice would you like to give to entrepreneurs who are thinking of establishing activities there? What are the main kind of differences that you see with the Western world, um, the challenges maybe, and, uh, and how to overcome them? So, um, yeah, I, I see two major challenges there. And uh, one is uh, 
One is the cultural differences. It's uh, how people think about uh, work, how they think about time. And in, you know, specifically when we talk about time, I, I, was, I was recently in, in South Africa and uh, they, they literally have their now, 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 and just now. So, you know, and um, everything is a bit different. So one means like, yeah, maybe somewhere around now. And then the other one is in 15 minutes and the next one is in, in two hours. Um, and it happens a lot that you set up a meeting um, somewhere and then, you know, that meeting just doesn't happen for two hours later or maybe even two days later sometimes and it's and it's normal um and um i think that's a huge huge barrier because it uh, it drives the productivity down because you cannot you know you you focus your time on something else that doesn't happen in the end so and then you need to again spend some time on it and again spend some time on it so that's a major uh still a major issue i think and, and these things need to change a bit um and the other one is still there's still a lot of corruption on the governmental level so um it's really really hard to do business because it can happen then you have a business today and tomorrow you don't have it anymore and it's not your fault so um you need to really be careful um about how you go uh, about that mm -hmm. and so what advice would you give to to kind of overcome those challenges I think, first of all, you always need to work with somebody that's local, that knows the culture, that, that has the connections there, that knows how things are, are working. So really find somebody who can help you locally. Um, and, you know, you asked me about um, how to how to go about it. Uh, um, probably if you are coming from, from the Western world, let's say it like this, right? So this would be for someone who is coming from, from the Western world. Um, but for, for the locals, you know, they should know that already and be able to work around it. For them, I would say, um, look for, for communities that support you because there's a lot of, you know, in Africa, I see a lot of communities forming and giving a lot of support. So if you look around it a bit and trying to do something in blockchain, I know that Kenya has such a crazy good uh, supporting community. Just, just find the right people that will support you. They'll, they'll gladly do it and then take it on from there. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for the for the advice. Um, just jumping back, I was smiling when you were talking about the time issue because in my country in Gabon we have a saying. We say uh, French people have watches, but African people have time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is this is so accurate. I can totally relate to uh, to this issue. Um, back to Tree Air. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the user journey? So let's say I'm an inhabitant of of Freetown or um, maybe of a city in Ethiopia. How do I get access to all of this? Not only the internet, but also the other services and products that you that you provide. So entertainment, hardware ownership, identity, banking, and and all of that. How does it start? Okay. So first of all, we are not live with all the things uh, yet. What we are providing right now is the high level, high speed internet 
we are providing digital TV and we are providing IP telephony services right now. And you can find us in Sierra Leone if you if you search for K3. There is a huge, huge sign up on a hill where you see actually K3 Telecom. So um, you the best is right now just uh, find us in our offices and talk to us directly. Um, or you can go to to uh, our website and uh, you know take it on from there if you if you can. But usually if you want you know internet you probably want to come to us um, uh, first so um, but um, once we once we are adding you know the blockchain components to it and opening up uh, the connectivity nfts by the way three arrow already has a working nft platform we are right now integrating uh, cross chain and we're right now integrating the the nf uh, connectivity nfts also so what you would do is you would go to app.3r.io you would log in there um and um, then the first step would be to get a uh, digital identity from us and that will be uh, guided through uh, our app and um, then we, you will request a uh, internet connection there in the app because we do need to come and connect you. So that's the first thing. Um, and then uh, once you're connected, you will go and buy an NFT uh, that gives you connectivity and uh, plug it into your devices. We'll bring you the devices there. And of course, all, all, all the way we are also educating everyone. Um, you know, we have our offices there. You can always talk to us. Uh, there'll be a lot of um, educational material provided just to help onboarding. And um, we are really trying to do to have a as easy and streamlined onboarding process as possible. Then in the app, you'll have the option to become a um, access node operator. So you'll just click there and apply for for uh, the access node operator. And if you're you know just a regular user or somebody visiting a country and you literally walk into our um, our coverage um, of the access nodes, you'll just take your phone out and uh, connect to the Wi-Fi, it will look similarly as connecting to a, a public Wi-Fi, let's say it like this. Shouldn't be hard. Okay. And how long does it take before you get the internet and the TV, the entertainment at least? So in Sierra Leone, you know, if you, if you are in an area that you are covering right now, it should not take more than two to three days. Um, wow. Yeah. It should be really quickly. That's insane. Mm. That's really insane. <laughs> well, thank you, Sandy. Thank you so, so, so much for uh, for this interview and all the questions. I have one last question, though. Uh, what's the best way to keep up with you guys' work, to follow you and your updates? Yeah, so uh, probably the best is just to go to our website. Uh, that's 3air.io. There are all the links there that you actually need, but we have our app that's uh, that you can uh, connect and also go to our NFT marketplace. That's on app.3air.io. We have a lot of documentation. There's over 130 pages of documentation on docs.3air.io. We have our blog on blog.3air.io. And then, of course, we are covering all the major social channels. We are really active 
active in Telegram. I'm also a lot present in, in our Telegram group. Uh, we are present on Twitter, on Discord, on I think on TikTok, uh, all the uh, Instagram, on all those major uh, social channels. And uh, I would really, really be happy if uh, yeah, if uh, anyone listening can come uh, and join and like and subscribe and whatever you need to do that really helps us uh, go <laughs> sure. forward. We'll also make sure that all the links are in the description of this episode. So thank you so much, Sandy, for your time. And thanks to our viewers for tuning in. This was the AIBC podcast. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.